Hi everyone, uh, this is Ron Stiver, President of System Health Solutions. I would like to welcome you to our most recent SHS podcast. Pleased today to have a few guests with me, Dr. Kevin Gepke, who is President of the Community Medicine for IU Health Physicians. Dr. Kyrie, who's proving to be a frequent guest. Uh, you'll recall Dr. Kyrie's Senior Vice President of Population in Community Health and also serves as CMO for System Health Solutions. And then David Kogan, who leads our retail home and virtual services as part of SHS, and want to thank them all for being here today. I think as our listeners are uh, accustomed to, we typically like to start with an icebreaker that revolves around asking someone what they wanted to be when they were 10 years old. Now, you've heard from Greg and me that, you know, I, I wanted to be second baseman for the Chicago Cubs. That didn't work out so well. Uh, Dr. Kyra, you might recall, wanted to be a physician. That did work out well. But we've not heard the answers from David and Kevin. So, David, we'll start with you. What, what did you want to be when you were 10? Well, mine didn't work out well either. I wanted to be a running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, so I was a huge uh, Franco Harris fan, and my first Little League team was the Dairy Queen Steelers, and so I was hooked uh, at that point. So professional football, but... Uh, well, running back at Wabash is... Close-ish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of close. Well, it, it seems there's a common theme here. Growing up, I uh, wanted to be a professional baseball player for any team but the Cubs. Um, but having grown up on a farm, I kind of transitioned to wanting to be a veterinarian. And then at some point it became apparent it might be better if my patients told me what was wrong with them. So um, transitioned to humans. A lot of folks know that Kevin and I have a nice friendly rivalry, me with the uh, avid Cubs fan and Kevin's equally a avid Cardinals fan. But again, great to have you all here today and talk a little bit about our collaboration uh, between SHS and community medicine, which I think is just bearing lots of fruit. And then we'll also talk about how that collaboration really is helping to foster some new models of clinical care. Greg, why don't you start? Yeah, again, I think it's a, a kind of a best of both worlds uh, kind of story. Uh, you know, IU Health Physicians, uh, long history of, of doing an incredible job of building practices, hiring physicians, running physicians, you know, finding better ways to improve service uh, uh, in the offices. I mean, incredible work, really uh, building one of the largest physician groups uh, in the country. You know, what I think SHS uh, brings to the table is really a group of folks who uh, constantly are thinking about innovation and how can we you know kind of skate to where the puck is going and and bring the the next best thing uh, to the system you know a lot of expertise uh, uh, in, in telehealth and other new models of care you know things like integrated behavioral health the social work hub tobacco cessation hub hospital home uh, uh, virtual palliative care uh, just to name a few of kind of the new models so these teams working together really seamlessly as one group you know I really view them uh, view our work uh, together as us together uh, doing all this work but brings you know the strengths of community medicine uh, in IU health physicians uh, with SHS to do incredible things. You know, you hit an important point. I think it's something we learned during COVID, too, and that is this idea of bringing people together from different parts of the organization to form teams around around a you know part of the mission, around an objective, and so forth. And that, that's what it feels like here, too, where our team's not defined by the department that you live in, but really about trying to you know implement on these programs. David, you live this at the operational level as well, too, across many of the service lines you lead. Can you comment on the collaboration? Yeah, you know, we've had collaboration that, that dates back uh, several years with what is the uh, kind of the operational side of IUHP Community Medicine and business solutions where we serve employers across the state. We've been partnered with uh, the providers from that group for a long time. So 
what we're able to do is take that familiarity and that infrastructure and really start to develop it further across other service lines. My thought is that you bring the, the physician, the provider expertise along with all that we've learned operationally and, and really work the ideation and the new models of care discussions richly from a clinical point of view and operational point of view and really try to leverage a lot of the the chassis infrastructure that we've built across our service lines to be able to take what we already have and and Dr. Kyrie mentioned several of those and, and really create leverage for the system be able to efficiently deploy new models of care to, to serve patient needs uh, make it easier for providers and, and team members and, and be good stewards of our of our finite resources and I think that applies to new models of care and it's also applicable to where we have basic blocking and tackling to, to cover. So we're partnering with community medicine on uh, urgent care going forward. Mm-hmm. How, how, how can we better leverage the urgent care platform to help take care of primary care patients and, and, and serve those needs for, for all involved? So, um, and those, those urgent care physicians will be part of you know, the community medicine, community medicine division. Medicine, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so there's just a, all these sort of natural uh, segues, and um, it, I, I think we got a lot of opportunity. Kevin? Yeah, I think the three key words that stand out from my colleagues here are innovation, quality, and exceptional care. When, when we look at the models of care from um, the historical past that we all come from, for a, a cohort of patients, the care was exceptional, the quality was exceptional, but we've always known there have been gaps in care. There are certain members of our community, shoot, even people who are affiliated with our practice, really considered part of our um, patient panel, if you will, that aren't experiencing the best outcomes and and we have to look closely at at where those gaps are so that we can help them um, achieve those same outcomes it, it's not it's not our responsibility to sit back and wait for people to come to us I think as an institution that that's really based upon improving the health of Hoosiers across the state that we reach out to the people that um, are our constituents, essentially, and help figure out ways that we can improve that care model. And you know, the examples that um, that Greg and David shared are are great examples. And and that's why the partnership is effective. There's operational efficiencies um, and that expertise, and then there's that innovative mindset and and asking the questions and and coming with new solutions if we keep trying to deliver the care the same way we're not going to get better outcomes and Kevin you hit on the key thing there improving health as well right as we talk about the collaboration all that collaboration I mean you see a clear line of sight right towards trying to improve the health of the patients we serve and the broader community you know one of the models we've collaborated on is connected care I think that that certainly is um, one that's designed to help improve health Greg, why don't you why don't you start, and then I'll ask Kevin uh, to comment also on just on again the genesis of that model of care uh, through a pop health lens. Yeah, connected care is a, one of the nice examples of kind of a, a new model. You know, I think of it as uh, kind of a differentiated or stratified uh, kind of primary care. You know, what's different uh, about it compared to our traditional primary care? One, it's really focused on Medicare patients, and specifically Medicare patients on whom we take fiscal risk, patients who are in our ACO, uh, patients uh, who uh, may be in a Medicare Advantage uh, program, where we, you know, share uh, uh, fiscal risk uh, for those. 
So what we're trying to figure out is how do we, by providing more, better care to that population, how do we bend the cost curve and keep them out of the emergency room, keep them out of the hospital, provide higher quality care, wrap teams uh, of uh, uh, folks around uh, the physician. So it's not just the physician by themselves. Uh, uh, they've got a social worker, they have a care manager, they have a pharmacist uh, to help them manage that population. The doctors are given longer uh, visit times with the patients to try to comprehensively uh, address all of the patient's needs, uh, all of their quality metrics. And uh, again, the goal is providing more, better care. At the end of the day, um, the patient is healthier. We keep them out of the hospital. We keep them out of the emergency room. And then their total cost of care uh, is less. So because we're taking fiscal risk, the patient benefits by better health. We benefit uh, because there's some uh, return on that investment because since we uh, have the whole premium uh, uh, available to us, we're able to uh, actually have some fiscal uh, return. So it's really is a win-win-win. Uh, it's getting to be a very popular uh, kind of model across the country. You may have heard of names like ChinMed, uh, Oak Street, uh, uh, really a, a lot of venture capital uh, uh, folks are, are kind of getting in, into this business. But uh, I'm excited about it uh, because We've already shown at just our, our Saxony model, the quality metrics uh, that they were able to deliver just the first year are really unbelievable, the highest I've ever seen uh, in my, you know, 36 years of, of primary care. So, you know, I think it, it's a more patient-centric, comprehensive uh, way of taking care of that population that uh, I think has a, a lot of uh, hope. Kevin, your team's launched a couple of these here in central Indiana, one at Saxony, and then most recently, not that long ago at all, out at East Washington. Share your thoughts about this model of care and, and where you think it can, can go and potentially expand. I think the key piece to this model is shifting away from reactionary acute decompensation of chronic disease to prevention and really stabilizing those same chronic diseases. Greg mentioned the win-win-win. Certainly there is a financial opportunity, which is, is why um, there's a lot of interest in this area now. Um, it's a win for our physicians and the entire, the entire team of providers, the advanced practice providers, the PharmDs, the entire staff that gets to actually invest the time that it takes to address the, the constellation of problems that many of these patients have. Previously, this has been an area of frustration for people, um, you know, basically the entire provider team, simply because patients didn't have the resources they needed, whether it be access to pharmacy or social work or behavioral health. And by providing those services in a manner that that really connects all the dots which is where we landed on on the name of connected mm -hmm. care it provides that meaningful interaction the patients are the patients absolutely love the the time that's dedicated and the access usually all in one facility the providers the physicians especially love the ability to be able to drill down on the quality metrics that we've outlined and look at the areas for improvement 
department, whether it be emergency department utilization. You know, there's always going to be emergencies, but which of those visits to the emergency department were preventable, which hospitalizations were preventable, and what can we do different next time to help keep that patient at home and prevent those problems? I think we're also learning some things in this model that uh, we'll be able to spread and apply to our, our traditional model too, just in terms of how these teams work together, how they interact and communicate. So, um, you know, uh, again, it's an exciting model. It is a model that I'm hopeful that we can expand. And I know you all have seen the patient, some of the patient stories coming through there, and they really are inspiring, right? Just coming in, the amount of time we're spending with these patients, the wraparound services, Kevin, that you alluded to, uncovering some conditions that heretofore were not uncovered in, in beginning to address those too. So it's, I would love for these to be successful and for us, you know, a year or two from now to be talking about many more of these opened across our, our, our footprint. Another, you know, new model of care that, that again, has been a collaboration that, that has been kind of a team effort, but that team has been community medicine, that team has been virtual care, home care, and, and pop health is annual health visits. David, why don't you start talking a little bit about that program? Yeah, sure. That I think the um, annual health visit program is a great example of team and excellence being manifested across a really broad group of, of, um, of teams. You know, this is essentially where we are identifying patients who have uh, HCCs and gaps in care that need to be addressed. And so essentially what happens here is the POP Health team identifies the patients. Our health plans outreach operation contacts those patients and sets up the invites. Uh, the virtual care hub then does kind of the final planning for that patient visit in the home and the logistical coordination. And then when the nurse shows up at the patient's home, our community medicine APP team in the hub is flexed in to do a virtual visit uh, with those patients. And so it really is a sort of an elaborate process that consistent with what we've talked about earlier a little bit is leveraging existing expertise where it sits and coordinating it carefully and bringing it all together. It really is a good example of how we can take uh, existing resources and put them together nicely to solve an important patient-centered uh, need. Greg, you know we are on a, for the first time, we see a very clear path to where all the Medicare patients that are primary care physicians treat and serve, they're going to be in value-based care arrangements. Uh, whether that's the ACO, whether that's Medicare Advantage, where we're, again, taking financial risk for managing the total cost of care, managing health. How important is this program as we head down that path? Yeah, I mean, in my heart, I believe that value-based care is a better way to, to take care of, of patients, as we kind of briefly uh, mentioned uh, before. Um, uh, you know, in, in traditional fee-for-service medicine, you know, we just uh, would provide a service and we would get paid a certain amount from the insurance company. In value-based care, we're not only the provider, in, in many ways we're kind of like the insurance company in that uh, uh, we get the whole premium uh, available to us to, to take care of the patient. We can then take those dollars and, and kind of invest uh, in new ways that we've been talking about to take care of patients, you know, have care management have some social workers, have some pharmacists to wrap a, around the patients. I never had those things, you know, in my 30 years, you know, previously uh, a practice. So it's because of these new funding kind of mechanisms that uh, we're able to do that. Now there's risk, right? I mean, this, is, this is called risk-based uh, models, meaning that we've got to manage uh, the care uh, uh, because if we don't, we can end up uh, losing uh, money. So we have to create these models that are high value, provide better care for the patients, as we talked about before, keep them out of the hospital, keep 
keep them out of the emergency room, and then we get that uh, win-win-win. But uh, I can't tell you how important uh, I think that uh, uh, transition is to get us away from the old fee-for-service uh, model to uh, uh, this true value-based care uh, model. Yeah, and I, I just I, I think this program is incredibly incredibly important as we do that to. to detect these underlying conditions so we can then address them and then again I think it's just also indicative of just this notion of I mean taking skilled clinical providers again leveraging virtual care leveraging our home-based resources bringing those things together to one team to meet our patients where they are I want to talk a little about just the, the future and how we see SHS and community medicine you know we talked about several of the programs but you know every time we meet we it seems like we identify a few more more opportunities too so Kevin I'll start with you when I think about our future opportunities. I think we've talked a lot about that already. We we have lots of innovative ideas. The key, I think, is to really throttle that um, pace of change um, so that we don't overwhelm our teams, so that we can um, really keep up with the the changing landscape of healthcare. If we were trying to provide healthcare the way it was provided when Dr. West was my doctor growing up, we wouldn't be very successful. You know, and even, you know, I've worked with Greg Kyre now for 20 years and, and for the most part that's been pretty positive, but uh, we've, uh, we've been able to, to see this evolution um, away from you know, I'll use primary care as the example is, you know, primary care being, you know, a financial loss to primary care is an essential investment in a, a healthcare industry that without it, you're doomed to fail. David? Yeah, and thinking, uh, thinking ahead, I think we have, um, a tremendous opportunity for a lot of ideation. I like what Dr. Gebke said about being cautious and, and how we meter it, because I think we I think there are a lot of really good ideas that people really want to get after. The other thing I would add to that is that we, we can't be afraid to fail. And some of the things that we do aren't going to be successful, likely. And we, of course, none of our models will compromise patient safety or quality, but operationally, some things may be tougher to, to prove uh, positive, and so we just need to all be willing to flex off of those and move on to the next thing. So I think there will be more of those, and I think that's a sign of a healthy uh, environment where we're willing to lean in and figure out what's best for patients and providers and team members. Um, so I think there's a lot of evolution there, but it certainly feels like we're on the right track across all of these examples that we already have to, to continue it forward. I think that's a great point because there's, there's just no way all these are going to work, at least in their current form as they launch. I think. You know, we'll have to refine along the way. Some may not work, but we'll learn from those. We'll, we'll you know, say what it is, and then we'll uh, adapt accordingly. Greg, what about you as you look to the future? You know, again, I can't tell you how excited I am about uh, all these uh, new models that are really going to bring our fantastic care uh, to patients uh, at the right time for them in the right place that's convenient uh, for them. You know, again, as mentioned before, we've struggled with access in the past. This whole virtual world uh, that uh, we're moving into just provides unbelievable uh, uh, access opportunities uh, for our patients. You know, my uh, patient can now see me from the comfort uh, of their own home, not have to, to drive downtown and try to fight for parking on the IUPUI campus and uh, can accomplish uh, uh, you know what they need at a time and, and convenient uh, place so uh, I think all this innovation all this 
partnership between the fantastic uh, uh, physician enterprise at IOHP and community medicine and uh, SHS is going to make this a better world for our patients. And uh, that's what excites me and brings me to work every day. Uh, I echo that. I'm incredibly excited about uh, the work that we're doing and the work in front of us and, and, and equally thankful to be able to work with you all to be able to do that. Appreciate you, uh, the three of you, making time to be with us today. And you know, as I reflect on our conversation, I mean, it, it just comes a bit down to what we're doing when we're collaborating is we're working to improve access and affordability of high-quality care, looking to deliver a better experience, you know, for our patients, and I think developing innovative models to improve health. And so if, you, if you're not excited and inspired by those things, then right, we're in the wrong place. And so tremendous potential uh, in the work that's underway, too. So appreciate uh, everyone uh, taking the time to listen to this. If you have any questions or suggestions for future podcasts, please let me know. And uh, just appreciate all the great work that you're doing out there. Thanks so much.